how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Humans Aren't Robots. I'm your host, Sam Davies. And in this season, we have been diving into some conversations we recorded last year live from South Start. If you've listened to the first few episodes, you will know that we are mashing up several chats we had with some incredible humans sitting in a teepee recorded live in the sunshine of April 2021. And what I've pulled out from these conversations are some key themes that um, are really close to me personally, and I think close to this idea of humans aren't robots. Um, If you don't know, we run a creative agency. Um, It was Digital Noir. We've now merged with KWP here in Adelaide. So uh, KWP and Digital Noir joined forces. And humans aren't robots was actually one of our our values at Digital Noir and at KWP. Um, And it means different things to different people. But for me, it's really about you know, living in this digital age that we do and doing the type of work that we do, how can we bring more humanity to the workplace and not just in the work we do with our customers, but with our, our teams and internally. And in, in today's episode, we dive into this whole concept of creativity, which is interesting given that we run a creative agency, we provide creative solutions. And I think a lot of people see creativity living in the realm of designers and artists and creative directors but for me it's the core ingredient in good business design and creativity how do we connect disparate dots you know how do we see the world in a different way how do we take something that was you know has been done one way for a long time and 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 do it slightly differently and that is the spark that creates good business the spark that creates new ideas So some really interesting conversations that I had today. One of the um, quotes from Sally Ann Williams, who is the CEO at Cicada Innovations, um, she said, how do I create stillness and opportunity to allow that big thought process to happen? Because you you can't actually dream big if you don't create time and space and quiet to do it. And that's something that really hit home for me as a leader and also someone who is constantly busy and jumping in and out of tasks. I I think as leaders, we expect a lot from our teams and our businesses and it's easy to expect every hour of the day to be scheduled and fulfilled we charge hourly in in a lot of our service-based businesses and we account for people's time hourly and all of that needs to be you know checked and balanced and ROI'd etc some of these processes can really stifle creativity and space I think is actually the key element for providing that how do we do that as businesses that's a broad question and something that I, I wanted to delve into it's interesting. I think there almost should be a way to look at putting a dollar value on what bringing space to the workplace actually equates to. Um, I've got a good friend and colleague who's an innovation accountant, and what he does is look at how we can quantify innovation, research and development. Like when people are looking at spending time on trying to innovate, how do they quantify that? Um, maybe it's a conversation to have. Ilya at some stage around how we can quantify finding space for creativity. I think they're quite similar. And for me, creativity is not, again, just in the realm of creatives. It's that spark when someone is sitting in a meeting room and realizes, hey, I think we could swap the room around a bit to create a better feng shui or you know, better atmosphere in here. And it's, a, it's that space to find new ways of thinking. And I think all of us have creativity in us Um, it's very interesting to me looking at how some people within my business who have you know on paper not necessarily the most creative jobs but then you 
see how much creativity they have in in other tasks or in other areas of their lives and business. So I think it's something that should be fostered more. I think it's something that should be championed. I think a lot of business in inverted commas is you know anti-creativity for the sake of it because that's the way it's always been done. But I would say uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but I would say that's that's not the way things should be done, and that we should be fostering creativity amongst our teams and amongst our staff. So. Let's dive in to the conversations that I had with Sally Ann Williams, Lauren Kaplan, Catherine Boychuk, Julie Trell, and Flavio Tatanardini about creativity. Um, and if you've got any feedback or thoughts or would love to be interested to contribute to this conversation, hit us up on LinkedIn um, at Digital Noir or Sam Davies or on Instagram um, at Digital Noir. And yeah, I would love to, love to continue the conversation. Enjoy. We've been talking today about a lot of what I'm interested in in business is, is how can we be more human at, at work, right? How can we bring ourselves to work? How can we manage our lives and our careers? And But then I think a lot of it is starting in at school, right? So we talked this morning, I talked to a couple of people about this idea of, sort of passive learning and sitting and listening and being kind of indoctrinated into a, a way of being where you, and, and taking that into the workplace where sit quietly until the boss tells you to do something and then go and do it as opposed to in a conversation or let's start with education. Like what, what's your thinking about how it is now and where it could go? What? So it's interesting that you say that because I actually think it's even what happens before education sure. and right and all the literature and studies show us that the biggest impact on a child's life actually happens in those first three years. So it's well before school. It's well before, you know, kindergarten, maybe daycare. It's not, but it's it's those first few formative years when your brain is just so um, plastic and elastic. And I think one of the things that's really, really cool is if I think about how I grew up, you know, one of the two things that my parents did, one is they... I, got, I get bored very easily and we didn't have TV time. We weren't allowed to watch TV during the day and things like that. And we didn't have devices and we didn't have the internet. So it was like, go create something. Like here's a truck, here's a toy, here's a doll, here's a whatever. But you had to create an entire world and an entire narrative. And so you actually in play and in doing that are using such creative energy to showcase and show what you understand of the world, but also rework new narratives from it. And I remember... You know, my parents used to give me, very stereotypically, give me Barbie dolls, but I would actually keep all the shoeboxes and make these grand mansions and, you know, engineer these castles and things out of it because I loved constructing and deconstructing. And for me, that learning experience kind of shaped, if I think about my formative years and where I am now, I've always, when I'm bad, will let me create something to solve my own problem mm. if I'm, I'm bored. And when I think about what we do now with young kids, you know, I will be a proponent that I don't think screen time is the most healthy thing you can do. I think you actually need to create space to become bored both as a kid but also as an adult to actually let some of what's going on in your subconscious come forward and come up with some creative ways to actually solve that yourself rather than looking for an external stimulant to kind of be the solution. It's very interesting. It's this idea of it's, it's difficult to be bored in 2021, right? Because there's just we can just constantly have that some sort of stimuli in front of us. I think a lot of us are scared of not having that, right? Scared of that stillness. Yeah, well, and I think that the thing about that is we're like, what will I do if I don't know what to do, what's next? It's like, well, how will I know what to do, what's next if I don't create the space to ask myself that question? And so I think the thing that I've kind of really learned, and I think I've been learning this all my life and I probably will continue to learn this all my life, is how in the midst of the busyness and the crazy frenetic work that we need to get done to have the impact that we want to have in some of the work that we're doing, you know, like at Sakata, how do I create stillness and opportunity 
to allow that big thought process to happen because you actually can't dream big if you don't create time and space to do it and quiet. And I don't mean quiet as in sound quiet, but distraction quiet. How do you turn from being reactive, which is what we probably spend about 90% of our day doing, to being proactive, deliberately intentional in our actions and in how we show up and, and want to go through life, both at home and in our family relations and our friend relationships, but also in the workplace. And that intentional leadership, that intentional design, that intentional strategy setting versus reactive strategy setting. So instead of setting our strategy this year to the backdrop of COVID-19, it's like that just exists. That is our world state. What do we want to be? What is our core purpose? What is our core mission? What is our values? Let's set that strategy and how we deliver it is in the context of COVID-19, but it should not be setting our agenda of what our strategy is. What does creativity mean to you? Oh, this is a big question. I've been actually talking a lot with my, one of my colleagues about because it's sort of unpacking what creativity means in the startup ecosystem and where and how creatives have actually been excluded from a lot of these conversations. And you being more on this agency and design side of things, you possibly would agree as well. Like my background is creative writing and journalism. I studied creative industries and I've almost fought, subtly fought to be in this world. So I work within venture capital and investment and, and startups, high technology, high finance stuff. And I don't actually belong in those places. And my way of thinking or unpacking or processing the work or approaching the work is alien to, to a lot of people that I'm around. And I'm almost forced into that hyperproductive output-driven mentality but I try to get the best of that, but then bring more of this open and creative way of working. And for me, creativity has always been about operating in ambiguity and figuring out pathways through. So that is inherently what startups do as well, but they aren't honouring the creative elements of that process. They're, they're definitely trying to control and optimise for things as opposed to allow things to emerge. And I think that also gets to the place of diversity in the startup ecosystem, whether it's gender or race or any kind of the diversity issues that we're facing also is because there is that particular viewpoint around what the startup industry should look like. People with different skills and attitudes and beliefs have found themselves alienated from a lot of those conversations. So to your question, I think creativity is ambiguity and it's curiosity and it's the constraints that force you to come up with something through that process. And again, all inherently startup-like qualities, but there's a lot of theory and wisdom that people in the creative industries aren't bringing into the startup world. It's an interesting one. Like it's So design's another word that yes. I think is really um, misconstrued a Absolutely. lot of the time. Like, yep. Design means UX and how you get people to push the right button. Yeah. I mean, and design is, we we're talking before about like, you know, design in your life, right? Yes. Like design is similar to creativity. It's any sort of intent to bring something new into the world yeah. and combining disparate sort of dots. The dot connection piece, definitely. That's a big one. It's interesting that because I feel like a startup should inherently be a creative business vessel, right? Like, and it's weird that creativity and business hustle mentality yeah. get separated. I don't understand why. Well, it's it, semantic more than actually like... It is semantic, but it's also power. Mm. And the reality is that there are very few CMO CEOs. One of the best examples of design-led business or a creativity-led business is probably a company like Airbnb where sure. Brian and Joe were yeah. so deeply creative and, and design-led, and then they backed that up with the commercial thinking. But it's a rare case for the person with the, the kind of creative background and mindset 
to be in the driver's seat. It's one of the first hires, but it's slightly lower than the CTO and yeah. the CFO and the people who control the money and the, the tech. And that's the, the thing we need to shift around the real value in those roles and why they should be kind of in close proximity to power. I see that changing. You know, there's, there's a guy called Stephen Gates who he's a designer, UX designer. He was, I can't remember his role, at InVision for a long time. I don't oh, yeah. know about InVision, yep. but really cool company and mm. run in a very interesting way. They ran a, a big report on the design maturity in businesses. So mostly Fortune 500 companies in the States and looking at how important design as a discipline is within the organizations. And organizations that had a higher maturity level were, were operating at a better level. And it's all about visuals, right? Mm. It's about customer experience. It's about designing the actual work environment itself, team culture, product, you know, the actual product. It, it bleeds into so many areas mm -hmm. of the business. It's weird that sort of finance, business modeling gets placed above Supersedes what that. the you know the end goal is, which is you know generally a product or a service that people are going to be using. Yeah, and and I think you know the creativity piece is one thing, but then it goes back to that idea of community that you mentioned before. Mm. That that is also second-class citizen, it's like the chief commercial officer or chief revenue officer is thinking about customers as numbers. Yep. If we were really thinking about community sent building and organizations, that again would have much more of that strategic input than it does right now, as opposed to being an afterthought of how do we make our customers feel good, you know, as an afterthought, as yeah. opposed to embedding that in the experience. I quite like that. Um, I use like sort of community-led design or, mm -hmm. you know, these terms like human-centered design, yeah. customer, mm. that's we're always building for people, right? That, yeah. that, that, that's what we're doing at the day. Yeah. It's the difference whether or not you actually care about what the outcome yeah. is for a community or, or for a, a human interacting with your product mm. or your service, as opposed to designing for your maximum profit or efficiency. I mean, I, I don't know if everyone does design for people. I think that yeah, is, maybe, the, yeah, that maybe, is the issue. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a huge, there has been seeing gaps in markets and white space for making profit and leveraging communities for that profit as mm. opposed to creating something that's, you know, people have been sold to for, for sure. And it's still like that, but it is changing. I think it is like I, I've, I don't know whether you know I'm in the design world. I think about this stuff a lot. I'm interested in, in user experience, and personally, I'm very I choose products and services based on not just UI, but like the whole experience, right? Like I, I look for a good experience. Mm. But I, I get the feeling phones have probably changed our lives a bit in terms of we're interacting with software a lot more mm. than than we used to be. But we don't necessarily want something beautiful. We want it to be efficient. We want it to be engaging. We want it to be intuitive. And if it's not, then we're going to choose the next product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's actually leading to better design in general. Mm -hmm. Like it's it, it sort of the, the cheap and nasty isn't going to win you in, win anymore. Whether or not you're a linear thinker or a systems thinker. Yeah, so sure. I think that we have been taught over a long period of time that, you know, you put one front in front of the other and it's a process and it's linear yeah. in nature and linear processes take time. Yes. And if it's a linear process and you're coming in late, then there's only this amount of time. Yeah. Whereas if you think like a systems thinker and you think that actually there's a number of cycles going on that are interdependent, that when you think about climate, yep. you know, we could choose to plant X number of trees. We could choose to do X with green hydrogen and do X in terms of completely reframing what we're doing to the earth and actually reverse some of the processes that we've kicked off yeah. in our naivety or denial mm. about how 
our previous generations of decisions yeah. have created the current set of climate challenges that we do have. So I like to think more of the systems think of that. I think you can invoke a number of interdependent processes. Yeah. And therefore, I don't believe that there's a just in time or it's too late. Yeah. I think it comes down to a choice. And I think that if it's something to reach velocity. Yes. Having the extreme views doesn't help. So going, you are not helping and you are bad, essentially. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and I'm a righteous fighter and I'm going to do this until you all wake up and stop and take action also won't help make the, the progression forward. And so I think there is absolutely a way. I think the lessons we learned over the last 12 months is that the more we bring it, um, humanity together mm. to solve challenges, the more likely we are to succeed. So let me try and frame it for you. Like I, I was just talking to Nicole Dyson and we were talking about education and about the type of educations that you and I probably have and that had where we sort of sit and shut up and, and, and listen and, and learn and and the kind of, I suppose what that instills in you as a person going into the, the modern workplace, just society in general, right? Yeah. Where we feel as if there's a right or wrong answer that you have to just sit and have your certain time to say yes or no. A lot of that is going more towards a sort of robotic kind of humanity where what we're thinking is probably not what we're saying. That yeah. thing scares the shit out of me, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. But then I, when I got down, I was like, ooh, that would be interesting to walk in someone else's shoes mm -hmm. to know how they're feeling. So if I can get in the mind of, you know, a white male, it's yep. just as interesting as if a white male got in the shoes of a transgender woman yep. or there's interesting Definitely. stories that would happen from it. But I want to go back to your comment about the right and the wrong, the mm -hmm. very traditional, it's fixed mindset. So when you were telling that, you know, there's a right and wrong answer, we get talked at and that's it. Yep. And that just, that I think I physically was just, you know, tightening up when you were saying that, mm. which brings in this great opportunity, the other side of, which is creativity, fun, letting go. But as a teacher, you're losing a little bit of control. Yes. That's very scary. Yeah. So once you can accept that, things will happen. You made me think my second grade teacher was one of these teachers, which everything was awesome. Everything was great. You would, her room was filled with arts and crafts from ceiling to floor, and not one product looked alike, which was very cool. When she sat down with you, she would say, tell me about your picture, not what's that? Because that's the, you know, the infer inference like, oh, I can't tell what you made. Whereas you would explain, because it might look like a elephant wearing a hat mm. but in fact it was a, a monster attacking a city so being delighted and this is one of the things that i talked about yesterday where i like to call it the other ai okay applied improv cool scary word for mm. some people oh my god i gotta be funny i gotta perform but the principles of improv the tenets of improv saying yes and being spontaneous mm -hmm. when you're on stage the way improv works if you're on stage you're about to start a scene and your partner says isn't it so cold up here on the mountain? You have to go there and you have to play that. So that's a gift, even though in your mind, you're like, I want to be, I want to start this scene sitting on a, on a beach drinking a margarita. <laughs> and so as soon as someone says that you have to go there, so you've lost control of what you're thinking and, and being able to be fluid yeah. will help with that growth mindset. The mission is critical, but it's empowering people to be like, 
here's the end goal. I don't care how you get there really. That mentality and around education that starts from even younger. And you've got young kids, you were saying that sort of zero to three age bracket where children's minds are very plastic and they, they can be creative. This kind of teaching humans to follow rules and to shut up until they're spoken to. I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like often we're trying to foster creativity in ways that feel uncreative. You see meetings and everyone's just silent. It's like, no, say something, do something. How do we, at a business level, to foster that kind of creativity? So first of all, I want to tell you something funny. Okay, I've got a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. Okay. So I understand when they start school, they're like puppies. They yeah. need to go to puppy school, so you need to teach them rules. They spend the, the, the weekend completely un unstructured human. We don't know what we do. We just have fun. Some days we watch TV all day. Some days we are walking and camping in the middle of nowhere. So it just goes random. And the other day I was talking about eight years old and I was like, do you like the structure that mm. you go to school or you prefer the unstructure of the life outside school? And she's like, you know, I like both mm. because the structure makes me feel safe. And this is an eight year old. Like, you know, it makes me feel safe, but unstructured make me feel Free. So uh, I think it's the same problem with employees. They want to be free, but they want some rules around it because if they're too free, they will feel, if you give them freedom, you see them in the office every day because they're like, okay, I don't got freedom. Yeah, I want to yeah. be with you yeah. because I like you. You gave me freedom. <laughs> Interesting. So just a, a weird balance, balance yeah. and mentality. <laughs> That is super, super interesting. I don't know if it just stems from the kind of people, because I, I think I have a sort of similar outlook on life to you. And like, I, I really value freedom and curiosity and like, I like exploring and, you know, I'd get bored if I'm not doing that. Right. Which I suppose filters down into my business. I, you know, listening to some of my employees who've come from more corporate, not the right word, but for organizations where curiosity is not valued, right. Where being at your desk and getting the things done are valued. Do you think, like, can you see 40 employees, can you see a, a change in people wanting to work for organizations that have a clearer sort of understanding of their mission and their values? I actually think it's personality a little bit. Yeah. I think there is a lot to blame personalities. As you said, you know, some people just feel safe if no one hears them, see if they can do their job. I see also in my team, sometimes I push mm. uh, people like, you can lead this or do this. Tell me what you think, you know, like, would you like to work on some projects? And they don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, no. Uh, they're amazing, man. Like, they're fantastic employees. But so I think the understanding that people are different mm. and people that want to feel safe. I mean, they're still working a startup that does space things. They're sure. not people that want to feel safe. <laughs> you know, so you're really pushing them quite a lot. But also understanding that people are different. Yeah. I like curiosity. I get bored. I'm like you. Mm. You know, for <laughs> me, everything has to be unstructured. But I also learn to put structure around the people that need structure. Yeah. You know, not all of us. And you need all the, you need the craziest and the structure. Yeah. You need the tight and the messy. <laughs> you need the creative and the logical. To build a really good business, you need all of them. Yeah. I think the important things as a leader, so I am absolutely the stream of extroverts. You need to do both. Yeah. So I don't know where the word is going. I think that the, the creativity is a little bit killed. Mm. With my daughters, I try to get as less structure and more creative as possible outside school to you, compensate, I guess. Because like, and the creativity is a weird word. Like what do you, what does creativity mean to you? But anything yeah. like, you know, for example, like if you look at children nowadays, something that I do with my kids a lot is let them get in board. Mm. My kids on Saturday morning at 9 p.m., 9 a.m. that we're bored. I'm like, I don't care. 10 a.m., we're bored. And like, I don't care. 11 a.m., they've built the castles and they're having, so yeah. the employees are the same. Yeah. Tech startup has the same. We can't put 
feed them on everything, you know? So creativity is that. It's going through that phase of, oh my God, I'm bored. Mm. I don't know what to do. This is like, what's next? And, uh, and you're like, you have to go, you have to go through that. You have to feel that. Otherwise, no ideas will come out on the other side. I think that creativity comes when you are let to yourself without instructions. Yeah. And you need to come out with something cool. How do you think technology plays into that, especially like for your kids? I run a tech startup yeah. and I'm very lucky because I think I've got a very creative team in tech, sometimes too much. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, no, 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 just keep less is more. Okay. But I think it's the environment in which they've been told that they can think it all. So, you know, so we have to turn it down a little bit, but yeah. I love it. They came out with this crazy idea. So we got Tuesday. Tuesday is the fleet day, nice. which Matt and I, my co-founder, we just spent all day with the team. So it's tech demos, lunch with people, and people coming into the room just to tell us things. Cool. You know? And that's and every Tuesday? Every Tuesday. Nice. And then nothing on earth would stop a Tuesday. Nice. Not a customer call, not an investor so call. So you don't take meetings on a Tuesday? Zero meetings. Yeah, wow. So that's the day in which we just share ideas. Yeah. Anything else like that that you have sort of structured within the business? That's the only structured thing that we have. So it's structured. Structured, unstructured. Structured. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we give a day to us to have ideas, to think, and uh, to share. And that's for the whole team, so the team are not Everyone. working Everyone. Yeah. I mean, they work, but, you know, yeah. they've got access to us so we can think and they can come in and say, I've got this and I've got this problem or this idea or this. It's cool. Thank you so much to our wonderful guests and, yeah, creativity. I would really love to hear from any of you if you've got any thoughts on what it means to be creative or how you find space to allow your your team to be creative or how you wish you could have more space to be creative at work or even you know just what the word means to you and how you feel it fits into, into business in general. Thanks again to South Start for having us along and um, I hope you all have a, a good week and we'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next episode.